Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Here at the Historical Roasting Society, we wanted to do a show about World War II, but we had a hard time picking a guest of honor. Hitler? Not a fan. <laughs> Churchill? I couldn't afford the bar tab. <laughs> FDR? Lame. <laughs> Charles de Gaulle? Not even sure who she is. <laughs> so I thought, who deserves the last laugh? Who deserves their moment in the sun? So why is tonight different from all other nights? Because tonight, our guest of honor is Anne Frank. Hello, and welcome to The Last Laugh. I'm Matt Wilstein from The Daily Beast. Last week, we got word that Alec Baldwin will be getting the Comedy Central roast treatment later this summer. So naturally, I wanted to talk about it with the Roastmaster General himself, Jeff Ross. Jeff has been professionally roasting celebrities for more than two decades at this point, taking on everyone from Pamela Anderson and Charlie Sheen to Justin Bieber and Donald Trump, back when he could take a joke, as long as it wasn't about his net worth. On this episode, Jeff gives us a taste of how he will handle Saturday Night Live's Trump stand-in and talks about the origin of his historical roast series on Netflix, in which, among other things, Gilbert Gottfried's Hitler roasts Anne Frank. So here's me and Jeff Ross. This is The Last Laugh. Yeah, I think the the last time I saw you was at, uh, was at Clusterfest, and you had uh, some, some, some nunchucks... Uh... <laughs> <laughs> that you were, they fun, were walking around with. There's a lot of fun pictures from that weekend. Yeah, there are. From that, that, that interview time and right up in that VIP balcony area. Yeah. It was a fun time. I'm going yeah. back in a couple weeks. Yeah, me right too. Now. Yeah, it'll be great. Um, <coughs> there we go. Do you, have any, do you have anything planned for your uh, for Clusterfest or you're not sure yet what I, you'll be doing? I'm going to do, uh, we're going to do Roast Battle. Oh, nice. And it's going to be big in some big arena with big judges. In the big in the big room, the, yeah, the, yeah. the auditorium there. Well, normally last year I was on the outdoor stage. I did a stand-up show. Yeah, and that was fun. But yeah. this time I'm doing roast battle at midnight. Oh wow! With Neil Brennan and Chris Red. Oh, that's fun. And, I don't think uh, they've done midnight shows before there. Yeah. at the festival. Roast battle works really well late at night after the fans have seen every other type of comedy. Yeah. You just kind of throw have it fun. all into the blender. Everyone's kind of drunk. And then I'm doing a live read. <laughs> Of uh, Clueless. Who are you playing? I play the um, the teacher. The the Wallace Shawn character. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's a good one. Yeah, and I ran into Amy Heckerling the other day at a party, and uh, I told her she was like perfect, perfect for you. <laughs> That'll be good. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm also uh, very happy to have you here this week because they just announced the the next roast. Yeah, on Comedy Central is yeah. Alec Baldwin. Crazy. So, uh, I mean, first of all, how, how what are you possibly going to make fun of Alec Baldwin about this? Uh... <laughs> you know, I arrived home from the road last night, and there were my 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 cousin Ed ordered me four different books about Alec Baldwin. Oh, really? One he wrote himself, something else, <laughs> and uh, and uh, a bunch of what I think is. Co- cardboard cutouts of alec baldwin okay life size or uh, yeah 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 we had a big tall bruce willis last time yeah he likes to hang him up so that i can (laughs) method roast my way into the into the into the show so what are you uh are there areas that you're already thinking about with with alec uh, that you're you're interested in exploring he's one of my favorite actors and i've i've been like an extra in his life for decades really he lives in my neighborhood in new york city and i interviewed him years and years and years ago when i was i think a correspondent on the daily show i was doing like entertainment mm-hmm. reporting and <laughs> i remember him like yelling at a publicist so i was like there's always that yeah the mood swings yeah and uh you know i haven't dived in too much yet yeah i mean it seems like there's a lot there 
Oh my God! From, he's some had of, a long some of the history. Best movies ever. It's easier, you know. People go, "Oh, there's so many messed up things about somebody to make fun of." But to me, it's easier to make fun of somebody when they have a million hits. Yeah. You know, and he has so many good films mm -hmm. that it's more fun to watch those than watch bad ones and make fun of those. Mm -hmm. Now I get to watch, you know, The Hunt for Red October, and I like ones that people don't even know about, like State and Maine. Did you ever mm -hmm. see that one? That's uh, David Mamet, right. I think. Yeah. Man, yeah. Alex Great in that. Yeah. Remember, there's like that big car crash scene, and he just gets out of the car and looks at it and goes, well, that happened. <laughs> so that'll be a fun one. Um, yeah, I mean, and obviously the, the Trump stuff with his, uh, his, his Trump impression, will you, will you be making fun him? of his... Uh, no, I've yeah, been trying uh, to figure out who's been doing that. Is that him? Yeah. <laughs> um, I love how it makes the president crazy. Yeah. I have a theory about that. I think oh, yeah. it's because, you know, I'm a New Yorker and following this guy for forever. It's because... Trump Tower and 30 Rock are essentially side by side. Mm -hmm. If you're looking out the window of Trump Tower... You can see it. You're staring at 30 Rock. So 30 Rock, SNL, those are essentially his rowdy neighbors that have yeah. been making him crazy. <laughs> so when he's watching them make fun of him on SNL, he knows they're right across the street. Yeah, he's it's 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 kind of insane how uh, how angry he gets about that uh, about that show compared to other presidents who have taken it in, in a different way. It's just everyone's a little different. Not roasting's not for everybody. Although for a long time he did very well with it. <laughs> yeah, um, what do what do you think about uh, about Alex uh, Trump impression? Do you think it's uh, he oh, go, goes uh, goes hard enough on him? Does he is it? I know he's gotten some criticism. I think for it's the, he's kind of just. Uh, repeats what Trump says sometimes, you know, which is that enough, do you think? or does It's it... really hard to roast a punchline. Yeah. So I don't envy Alec Baldwin having to roast Trump or imitate Trump. I mean, Trump's funny on his own. Mm -hmm. So you're roast. It's like making fun of a comic's bit. Yeah. Trump roasted his way into the Oval <laughs> Office. Now you're going to try to make fun of him. It's not easy. Yeah. I, I got to give him credit. But someone's got to do it. I'm glad Alec Baldwin does it. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I, uh, you know, I thought that you had kind of exhausted the, the roast format, uh, at this point <laughs> until I, until I saw historical roasts, uh, recently. Don't count me out, bro. <laughs> uh, I was like, what else, what else could you possibly do with this? And then, and that, that was a pretty inspired, uh, idea, historical roast. So Thank how did, you. how did that, uh, where did that come from? Well, you know, roasting's my lane. I wanted to expand it into a highway where yeah. I can highlight things I care about. Yeah. So... Um, I can't always wait for Alec Baldwin to say, yeah, roast me. I want to yeah. do stuff all the time. Mm -hmm. So I made a, a list of dream roasts. Mm -hmm. And they've been doing these historical roasts at, at um, the Meltdown here, yeah. here on Sunset. And that eventually closed. And they were like an underground thing. They usually have like anywhere from 10 to 30 people in the audience. Mm -hmm. And it was mostly just comics waiting to go on. Yeah. And... Ryan Pig and Eddie Firth would give them comics costumes and say, come back in a week and just be George Washington yeah. or whatever. I was like, you know, I never really saw it as a TV show. And then once I got Roast Battle going over at Comedy Central, I was like, I think I'm getting a handle on how to produce these roast shows mm -hmm. for a budget. Yeah. You know, if they do a certain rating for a certain budget, they can go on forever. And I thought, well, you know, with this historical show, there's a lot of potential there. There's obviously, uh, every time somebody dies, there's a new episode's worth of material. <laughs> so I, um, we got together and I, and I formatted it into a TV show where the audience is more involved, where the audience dresses in character. Yeah, I, I wanted it to be a that party. Was, that was yeah. How how did you pull that off? You, everyone shows up and uh, in you hand out costumes. Or? A lot of people showed up in costume, <laughs> but our 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 designer Roger Forker dressed a lot of the friends and family that yeah. would come to the tapings, and I I really wanted to channel what I loved as a kid, which was going to Rocky Horror, mm -hmm. the Rocky Horror Picture Show, where the audience would get up and get involved. Mm -hmm. And I thought, wow! So instead of just roasting Abe Lincoln or Martin Luther King Jr., let's throw them a party. Mm -hmm. So the room is decorated in a theme that would make them hypothetically feel comfortable. Yeah. And and I would insert myself as the Roastmaster General through all time and space. Mm -hmm. So I play myself on the show. You know, when we roast Freddie Mercury, I'm myself with an afro and braces at 14. Mm -hmm. When we roast Abe Lincoln, I'm the Roastmaster General of the Union Army. 
and so on and so forth. Yeah. Um, I like the I like the idea that it kind of uh, erases the uh, too soon uh, element of of roasting, or in a way where it you know it, because you're you're going so far back that you're if people people can't really say too soon about uh, Abe Lincoln. But they are saying it, which is, <laughs> which is fascinating. There's no there's no limit to the 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 amount of people who want to get offended over total nonsense. Yeah, have you gotten a lot of uh, people being offended by this? Uh, by these, uh, so it's on Netflix. The yeah. we should say the six episodes. Have you what, what kind of feedback have you gotten in that well, direction? I want to be clear here. We roast Abe Lincoln, Freddie Mercury, Cleopatra, Martin Luther King Jr., Muhammad Ali, and Anne Frank, and the only ones complaining are the Jews. <laughs> <laughs> Coming up, Jeff Ross breaks down the inspired choice to cast Gilbert Gottfried as Hitler on Netflix's historical roast. I mean that that's a special episode. You have uh, you have Gilbert Gottfried as as Hitler um, right. roasting Anne Frank, which right. I, I, I guess I could see why people would uh, would respond to that. But uh, it's it's pretty it's pretty great. Thanks. You saw it? <laughs> yeah, I saw it. You know, the Gilbert was the first call I made. I wanted Hitler to be silly. Yeah. I was channeling something I once heard Mel Brooks say, which is essentially. You can't take back the lives lost, mm-hmm. but you can f- seek some revenge through ridicule. <laughs> and by making Hitler and the Nazis a joke, I think that's a, a victory. Mm-hmm. The Jews survive. And not only that, we flourish. And as Anne Frank played eloquently by Rachel Feinstein on the show, she says to Hitler... You know, the greatest revenge, Hitler, is the fact that you're being portrayed by the loudest, most annoying Jew we could find. <laughs> yeah, I like that one. <laughs> and I, I'm really proud of that episode. Um, there's been some backlash. Um, so what are people upset about, do you think? What, 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 what do you hear? Well, it's not what I hear. It's what I read. The yeah. people that talk to me are very positive. Mm-hmm. We have two grandsons of survivors on our staff. Mm-hmm. Uh, one works at Netflix, and one is on a, is one of the creators of of the live show. So we feel very comfortable talking about the Holocaust in the writers' room. Mm-hmm. And I knew there'd be some backlash, and it does hurt because you want the people closest to the story of Anne Frank to like it, to mm-hmm. love it. You know, I'm a Jewish guy, grew up in New Jersey in a family of kosher caterers. I've certainly had my share of Hebrew school training, and I've seen all the movies, and um, I've been to the Holocaust museums around the world. And it's not like I'm coming at this in a cavalier way. Mm-hmm. We put a lot of time and thought into our, our very diverse writer's room, learned a lot about Anne Frank as we were writing this episode. And, you know, what hurts is people in uh, mostly in Amsterdam, where the story of Anne Frank took place— there were complaints um, from different groups saying that this is not the proper way to learn about the Holocaust through a mm-hmm. comedy show. Yeah. And I'm like, I agree. <laughs> well, that's not my goal. Not everybody can go to the Anne Frank house in Amsterdam. Not everybody can go travel to Auschwitz and take the tour. Yeah. My show is for the 180 countries that Netflix sends it to in different languages who are too young and distant to be directly affected by the Holocaust. Mm-hmm. My show is for people who confuse Helen Keller and Anne Frank. Yeah. My show is for people who who would never even know the story. As as fake news evolves into fake history, I wanted to keep her name and story alive. So many people won't even know who she is anymore. So I thought it was important to tip my hat if you will to Anne Frank. Yeah, and and you give a, a very um you know poignant uh, speech at the beginning as well uh, which I which I was kind of, you know, we don't always hear that that side of you. Her diary helped me understand what she and others went through and what my uncles Murray and Albie and the greatest generation fought for during World War II. When we talk about the Holocaust, we always say never forget. Yet genocides continue to take place all over the world. So tonight, our guest of honor stands in, not just for the victims of the Nazis, but for the refugees and asylum seekers that continue to be turned away from a better life. 
My uncle Murray. Oh, your uncle, yeah. Was a, a medic in World War II mm-hmm. for the U.S. Army. And my Uncle Murray was one of my best friends, big influence on me. The family, we all call him Mean Murray because he was a real ball buster. Mm -hmm. He's probably the one who gave me thick skin, just torturing me, making fun of me as a kid. And it wasn't until I got older that I realized what a great guy he was. He was, uh, he has a silver star and he got injured in, in, in World War II and... And he would not talk too often about his experiences, but when I would get him to talk, he told me how he walked through a concentration camp as an army medic, and he helped liberate a concentration camp. And, you know, it was a world battle between good and evil, and they volunteered to be part of this, or they got called up to be part of this. Everybody was affected back then. And I wanted to honor that too. I wanted my Uncle Murray, he's passed on now, he died at 92, but I wanted to somehow give a salute mm-hmm. to the greatest generation who 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 really won that war. You know, FDR is portrayed by John Lovitz on the historical roast, and we had FDR admit that he waited too long to intervene on Anne Frank's behalf. Mm. It becomes somewhat of a play, yeah. and it all turns on Hitler. It, it's really Anne Frank in the seat of honor because I only roast the ones I love. Yeah, that's why you couldn't you couldn't make it a roast of Hitler for that but reason. But it turned yeah. into a roast of Hitler, yeah. much like the way you know the Pam Anderson roast turned into a roast of Courtney Love way back when. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, so yeah, so you had you had Gil, you have Gilbert as uh, as Hitler, um, and he's he's certainly. I mean, I imagine did he uh, have any hesitation because he seems like someone who just jumps into <laughs> almost anything without uh, <laughs> right. without too much worrying. I called Gilbert up, and I told him the idea, and I got I offered him the role. I got to hit, and he said yes. <laughs> By the time I got to Lur, he was already booking an airplane ticket. <laughs> That's great. And then he came to rehearsal and lunch. He, I couldn't get him to take the armband and the mustache <laughs> off. <laughs> he really did some uh, some some deep deep uh, uh, acting. Work yeah, some, he's doing some method. Uh... <laughs> yeah, and he comes out with the high socks and yeah, you know. And, and credit to the writing staff on historical roast. Hitler's speech wasn't really um, in character the way you would think an obvious take on Hitler would be. Mm-hmm. What he did was he roasted. The world, yeah. the genocides that are happening today, the way we treat immigrants today, the way some cultures treat homosexuals. Uh, Hitler brings all that on and essentially roasts modern civilization. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I wanted these historical roasts to sort of be a comment on what's happening in the world today. Yeah. Um, I mean, Gilbert is somebody who has uh, who's had some some controversies in his past. Uh, you know, right. obviously, there's the thing, the um, the jokes after 9-11 that everyone thinks about that, that turned into the aristocrats right. and the inspiration for that movie um, and, you know, other things that he's tweeted. Um, I feel like, you you know, you 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 delve into a lot of, you know, dangerous uh, comedy territory. But you, have you ever felt like you were in danger of being uh, canceled or, uh, you know, get, getting experience that what that's like you mean by saying something so provocative my my career couldn't yeah sustain it you know i try to get ahead of these things Mm -hmm. you know i try to predict the backlash and either write into the piece my disclaimer or my intent so much of this is about intent yeah and context you know a roast joke said to a roast audience, which is essentially a temple of free speech, is not going to travel outside that world well. It's like sushi. Yeah. You eat it in the sushi restaurant. <laughs> Maybe it makes the car ride. Yeah. But it ain't, you're not eating it tomorrow. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's not going to be delicious any later than right there. Yeah. And, and roast jokes have to be served up fresh right there. As soon as you try to take them out of context and pull them out and make them mean something else or, you know, they're not, if if a joke wasn't told to you, you have no right to be offended by it. Mm -hmm. I'm offended by people that are constantly offended. Yeah. It's almost like there's a bullet in the chamber and they're waiting for you to like point your gun at them so they could just blast your head off before you even, no, comics are not trying to offend. We're trying to entertain. Mm Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, I mean, I imagine that the people who are offended by the Anne Frank episode did not see the Anne Frank episode, for the most part. It seems like it. You know, somebody who used to run the anti-defamation league. I mean, most of these people that are complaining are very, very old. <laughs> and it's also not for them either. Yeah, yeah. You know, like I said, it's for people who wouldn't even know this story. How can we say with the Holocaust, never forget, if people don't know the stories in the first place? Mm -hmm. Yeah. How do you uh, go about writing jokes about the Holocaust? What's the, how do you get into it? What's the, what's the approach? The first thing I did was order a dozen copies of the diary of Anne Frank for my writing staff. Mm -hmm. And now you have to understand, on historical roasts, it's not like any other show I've ever worked on. I wanted it to be a people's history. Mm -hmm. So we have an incredibly diverse writing staff, and people should look these people up. When you watch the show, you can see in the credits um, all the names, and they really worked hard. We have, obviously, men and women and black and white, and we have Asian people and gay people and a transgender writer and disabled people, and I wanted it to be a real mix and I wanted us while we were writing the show to learn about these things and debate about these things mm -hmm. and write on a schedule that allowed us to sort of have these discussions and one of my happiest moments was seeing Alex Duong who's Vietnamese a guy who does the roast battles and uh, take home his diary of Anne Frank Here's a guy who didn't even know who really what that was. He takes it home and he comes back the next day and he knows all about what she went through. Mm -hmm. And to me, we're not trying to educate. I'm trying to get people curious about Anne Frank, also about Martin Luther King and and, and Harriet Tubman and Frederick Douglass and all the other characters in our historical roast this season. I wanted to, to create curiosity. Last night I saw a tweet uh, on my Twitter feed when I was landing um, and it was just a, a random person saying, thanks to Jeff Ross, I just spent an hour on John Wilkes Booth Wikipedia page. <laughs> no. <laughs> like, that's the goal. Yeah. Not to educate people about yeah. Anne Frank, but to make them curious enough where they go look her up. Yeah. And they understand the Holocaust better. And like Rachel Feinstein says, as Fr Anne Frank in the show, you know, if you're offended here, then ask Netflix why there's... 500 documentaries about Adolf Hitler and none about me. <laughs> so now there's one show on Netflix about Anne Frank. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Long live the great Anne Frank. Uh, so I know you're on you're on tour uh, with with David Tell right now, or you have been doing your uh, bumping yeah. mics show. Yeah. Um, so how how's that been going? We were in Vegas this weekend. It was so much fun. These casino shows, next week we're at Morongo and uh, Harris SoCal out here in the desert. I've never performed in those places. Dave's yeah, I manages... always drive by them on the way to Palm yeah. Springs, but I, I, I have not been either. <laughs> Normally I want to perform at a theater or a club. Dave loves these casinos. My partner, David Tell, and I, we've been friends our whole careers. We go on stage together, uh, even though we're both solo performers. Yeah. We're kind of like rappers where we go on stage together and when we get a... <laughs> We improvise together, and when we get a big laugh that cracks e each other up, we bump mics. It's called bumping mics. And Dave loves these casinos because, A, they pay better, and, B, um, he can smoke everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> you could smoke in the pool. You could smoke in the elevator. You can smoke in the restaurants. Like, Dave loves that. How did you uh, first meet uh, Dave, uh, and how, how long have you been, been friends? Oof. Dave and I, well, I knew him before we were friends. He emceed all the best open mics when I was an open micer. He was a year or two ahead of me. He always had the best jokes on the open mic circuit. I remember him talking about Ellie Wiesel should have a laser light show. <laughs> he was always fearless. And 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 I always enjoyed his, what was it? He had, he had some great ones. My grandfather sent me a postcard. Wish you were here. Where am I? <laughs> <laughs> And he was just—he was just brilliant. And all the comics would come down to watch his sets down at the Comedy Cellar when we were starting out. And and I worshipped him. I still do. He really is my favorite comedian. He thinks in punchlines. And when I would fly in from L.A., I'd land at New York. You know, you don't want to go right home to your empty apartment. So I would go by the Comedy Cellar for some hummus and chicken wings. Mm -hmm. and, and I'd go watch Dave. 
And Dave, you know, he likes he knows I want to get my yayas out. I didn't have a book spot. He did. So he would just call me on stage or I'd walk to the men's room and he'd start heckling me and I'd start <laughs> heckling him. Next thing I know, we're on stage together. Sometimes I'd literally be eating while he's performing <laughs> on stage. Sometimes he would sit at the piano and I would tell a few new jokes or we'd switch spots. or And it just became this sort of planned chaos mm-hmm. of us... Um, basically shitting on each other, then shitting on the world through our stand-up, and then going after the audience. And we'd bring up, if somebody had a birthday, if somebody was pregnant, we would bring them on stage, and essentially, we'd throw this party on stage. And that evolved into me begging him to go up to Montreal to the comedy festival. And I said, let's call it bumping mics. We kind of bump mics sometimes. <laughs> He's like, no, it's too on the nose. It's too corny. <laughs> I go, ah, it's real simple. I think it's good. Yeah. And uh, he said, no, no, no. And I did it anyway. I told my agent, call the show bumping mics. Put it on sale. We're coming <laughs> to Montreal. And uh, we left there with a uh, with an offer from for uh, three episodes or. I think they wanted four episodes, and we we got them down to three because we didn't we didn't know, we didn't want that we we don't like the commitment we like to we yeah, like yeah. to keep it loose. You look like an umpire during a rain delay. Jeff looks like he runs the gift shop at a planetarium. You're in great shape. You probably don't even work out. I used to work out, but I hurt my back carrying the show. And then... Yeah. Will, will there be more of those? Do you think? Uh, I think so. Yeah. I think so. Nothing official yet, but. Um, I really love touring with Dave. We don't do a lot of dates. You know, you say mm-hmm. we're on tour. But, yeah. You know, we have two next week, and then we're off till, I think, August. We have one, and then mm-hmm. a couple in October. We'll add some more um, uh, down the road. But I love doing it because for the first time, I feel like I'm in the Ramones. I feel mm-hmm. like I'm in a band with Dave. Yeah. The fan art, the, the T-shirts, like people, you know, we're like... It's like when Talib Kweli and, and most deaf get together. They both have these great careers, but every now and then they get together and do this one special thing. Yeah. I saw you guys were on Instagram. You were hanging out with uh, Carrot Top. Yep. Yeah. And you had, who else was there? Uh, you had quite a crew with you uh, this oh, past man. weekend. <laughs> uh, when we do our shows, they they really are like, it's like a, a little comedy festival within mm-hmm. a show, and people just start showing up. So Carrot Top came by, Pendulette from Penn and oh, Teller. Yeah. You know, we're in Vegas. Yeah. You know, and 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 you never know what can happen in our shows. We had this 350-pound male burlesque dancer basically <laughs> give me a lap dance at the end of the show. Uh, and, and, and then we had uh, Israel Del Toro, who's a, a, a wounded Air Force veteran, uh, was in the audience, and and you know he 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 got a little uh, a little um, stage time. You never know with our shows, and we don't plan. You know, Dave has a flip phone. We don't really <laughs> text. We don't go over our act till literally we're walking on stage. Yeah. And is that scary or is it's that... scary for me? He prefers. Yeah. I like to plan a little bit. Mm-hmm. And when he does let me sort of plan a little bit, I think the shows are better. <laughs> but, you know, I have to work the way he wants to work because mm-hmm. he is a true, true genius. Yeah. Um, one testament to his genius is uh, Amy Schumer uh, gave her son Attell as a middle name. Is that is that true or is that a joke? That I, is I, a I... true fact. <laughs> Were you jealous at all? Uh, I was proud. Ross first. would be a good middle name too. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> I was. I, I got a little teary eyed when I saw that Amy did that because I do know how much she loves Dave, and I certainly know how much he loves her. Mm-hmm. She appears in our bumping mic show briefly on Netflix. And they've been friends a long time. She's sort of a, a sister to us. She's a really good friend to me. And yet they have this other special thing. They're both from the same part of Long Island. Mm-hmm. And listen, Dave might not ever have a kid of his own. So the fact that she is keeping his name, his last name, Atel, she named her baby Atel. I cried. Yeah. I was really, really moved by that. Nice. It takes a lot to make me sort of fountain up like that, but man, that was really sweet. Yeah, um, we're 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 a we're a we're a cult. Comedians are mm-hmm. a cult. Mm-hmm. You know, sometimes I think I'm a comedian before I'm an American. Yeah, before I'm a Jew, before I'm anything, I go, yeah, I'm a comedian. When a comedian needs a hug, needs help, no matter where they're from, <laughs> you can't help but c- care about the comedians. Yeah, that's very sweet. 
Thanks, Matt. Uh, so I wanted to, uh, to... I really like your, your monotone, oh, whether you're uh, <laughs> being nice or mean or happy. Same. You, yeah, you talk like you're in a hostage video. <laughs> yeah, so oh. um, could you please send help, lawyers, guns, and money? Um, <laughs> That's good. I, well, at least I got a little roasting from you uh, on this See episode. That? Yeah, There you go. It just happened. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> You uh, you wrote an open letter uh, for the Daily Beast uh, not too long ago to the White House Correspondents Association. I, I did, wanted to thank you I? for doing that. Um, you you were talking about the the Michelle Wolf uh, debacle and everything that went down uh, uh-huh. after that, um, but that was before the that uh, organization decided to to give up on comedy altogether uh, right. this year. So I'm, I was curious what you what you thought about that uh, decision. Mm. Well. I'm a big fan of that event. I know that event, the White House Correspondents' Dinner, gets a lot of flack for mixing politics and entertainment, and also the administration gets too chummy with the reporters. That's the big dig there, right? Yeah, right. But if you really think about it, that could happen anywhere. That happens at cocktail parties. That That's happening not in front of the C-SPAN cameras anyway. Yeah. That's not the problem. The the, the the exciting thing about that event, for me, I've been watching it since I'm a kid, before I even really understood it, was the once-a-year chance for a comic to, when this is cliche, but it's true in this case, to speak truth to power. You had every, every president for decades sitting there taking a joke. Mm-hmm. They're beautiful. There's some cultures you'd get your head taken off. But yeah. we got to watch the president getting made fun of whether it was jimmy kimmel roasting obama or stephen colbert roasting george w bush or uh whatever it goes on and on and on and suddenly we have a president who's not going to sit there yeah and it becomes a non-event. Now you have great comics like Hassan Minaj and Michelle Wolf back to back, two years in a row, talking to the press and not the president. Yeah. So the press maybe needed a good talking to, and those were amazing performances in my book. But without those guest of honor, it really is half a show. Yeah, and it takes away the roast element of it too. Without if the person's not sitting there, you don't get to see their reaction. Of you course. Know. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Yeah. It's no longer a show, uh, a roast. It's a, a speech. Right. It's a pep talk or whatever you want to call it to the, to the press. Or it's a kick in the butt. However, yeah. however you want to interpret what Michelle did, what Hassan did, without the president there. In the meantime, the president is off having his own rally, having his own party, which I thought was a smart idea on his part. Right, yeah. I was glad that they took the comic out. A you lot were? of comics were furious. I thought it was a good idea to miss the comedy for a year. Why? Well, because... People were taking us for granted as mm. comedians. They were shitting all over Michelle's performance when, in fact, she did exactly what she was supposed to do. She didn't say anything so mean for Sarah Sanders to get upset about her makeup. In the old days, people would be crying, laughing. At a roast, you want to get talked about. Yeah. If I ignore you at a roast, that's the insult. Right, right. You want to be, be part of it. You want the attention. 
And I like that they didn't do it this year. It reminds people why comedy is important. And they had a historian who I thought was amazing. I thought it was important to remind people um, why the First Amendment, why free speech is important. Let's take a year off, reboot the White House Correspondents' Dinner, have a lecture about why comedy is important. And he made that point to his mm. credit. Yeah. Um, I thought it was interesting. Recently, I was listening to uh, David Letterman talk about when Trump used to be on his show yeah. and that he felt like he could take a joke then. He could laugh. He would he would laugh at the jokes that Letterman made at his right. expense. And it was just a different kind of thing. And that really something's changed. I mean, the big thing that's changed is he's the president now. Uh, but as someone who you roasted Trump multiple times, mm-hmm. um, do you do you feel like that's true? There was a time when he could take a joke, and there's and there's now it's different. Or do you feel like it's always kind of been uh, <laughs> that he that he can't handle it? I don't think he could ever. I don't think he ever liked taking a joke. I think he liked the attention. Right. And he took the jokes in order to get the attention. Mm-hmm. He liked owning Comedy Central for a month. Right. You know the billboards, the promos, the you know. The, the, the whole everybody's talking about him kind of thing. And I had roasted him five years before that for charity at the Friars Club in New York uh, when The Apprentice first came on. So he was always a pretty decent sport. Yeah. He would not laugh in front of everybody, but you knew he, he understood that it was clever, that it was fun. He would always take me aside afterwards and tell me how great it was. He once hired me down to go to Mar-a-Largo mm-hmm. and basically roast him in front of the members of Mar-a-Largo. <laughs> so he had a, a sense of humor and he liked the attention. And now there's something else happening. Yeah. You know, we can all try to guess what that is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, the, he sat absolutely stone faced that time with, you know, when Seth Meyers was making fun of him at the at the correspondence dinner, right. which was only which was, I think, the, the same year as the roast on was 2011 right yeah th- that was uh, shortly after i think yeah so it's like he you know he had just he had just been the star of this roast on comedy central and then but sitting in the white house correspondence dinner he couldn't he couldn't bring himself to to show to laugh at himself context is so much of this yeah and i think he'll come back to it i think if he does win a second term you'll see him sit there and do the white house correspondence dinner this yeah. is me trying to have some good faith that the world will be okay. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I think these roasts are important. They bring people together. Um, and if he doesn't come back to that, it is a good indication that things have gone really, really bad. Yeah. That's when we start to slide into what could be uh, a dictatorship. So you were actually uh, at the White House uh, not too long ago, right? You can you? What was that all about and what, what was that like? Uh, this was about two months ago. Uh, I was invited to a celebration of the First Step Act. This is a new law signed with Republicans and Democrats, and it wasn't a political event. It was about people. Yeah. And that's why I went. Um, This this is a law that Van Jones's organization, Cut 50, spearheaded, and an organization that I do a lot with called Artists and Athletes Alliance, which sort of sets up educational dinners for celebrities and athletes to learn about politics. And I just love being part of the, the, I love listening to smart people. Mm -hmm. And I went and I learned about a little bit more about this first step back, which releases nonviolent drug offenders from prison. Imagine being in jail, man, for something that's now legal. Yeah. Imagine you're in Colorado and they legalize weed and you were in jail for 20 fucking years for, for selling weed. You would go crazy. Yeah. You don't care who the president is. You just want to get out. Right. So they said that if enough people support this, um, they would, they, 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 they would consider it. And Jared Kushner and Ivanka, got really behind this with Van Jones and somehow made it happen. Now, you could still go, well, I'm not going to give Trump a win on any circumstances. But then I go back to the fact that these people are in prison. They're desperate. This is people who have no one in their corner. And if they're going to let people out, fuck it, I'm going to go watch this. Mm -hmm. This is like a real... 
human moment. This is like a 1860s moment. Mm -hmm. This is like, wow, these people were in prison a month ago. Now they're standing on stage with the president. So even though 500 people have been released, they had five or six on stage make with the president. And the president, to his credit, did not turn it into a political event. In fact, he was very generous in that he turned to these people and he asked them if they wanted to speak. Mm -hmm. This is a very risky move. These yeah. people are not necessarily Trump supporters. He doesn't know much about what they're going to say. And there wasn't a dry eye in the house. Each one was very well spoken about their experience. They were very grateful. And like I said, it wasn't politics. It was about people. And I thought I've performed in, a, in jails before. I shot a stand-up special in a maximum security jail in Texas I'm a big believer in second chances. We incarcerate more people in America than any other country. We're supposed to be a free country. We're not acting that way. Yeah. So if this is the little bit that I could do to show my support for something like this, then I'm going to do it. And did you uh, did you get to talk or interact with, with Trump at all while you were there? I, I talked to basically everybody in the administration except the president, yeah. who was, uh, you know, walked in made a speech and walked right out mm -hmm. but uh by all accounts i did get a wink and a thumbs up <laughs> since i was right there in the front and uh i ran into him i ran into him um right after he was elected before he was inaugurated yeah and he has a good memory he remembers the jokes he remembers the roasts you know he always tells me i'm his favorite <laughs> he's good at buttering me up i think he's trying to keep me on his good side it's not really working but yeah but he's the president, you know, he's going to have to take the jokes and he knows that. Yeah. You know, I made, I definitely ripped into his immigration policy on my, on my border roast that I did for Comedy Central. Mm -hmm. and, 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 and I take the shots where I think he deserves them. But in the rare instance that he can get Democrats and Republicans to come together, even if it's just to serve his ego. Mm-hmm. Friends will show up at the White House, and I, I think that's why I went. Yeah, it's like positive reinforcement, uh, encouraging uh, exactly. <laughs> good behavior. Exactly. If this is the one tiny little... You know, I, I agree with almost none of his policies, but I can't lie and tell you that I don't get a certain delight in seeing him burn down the system. Yeah. I don't know if it's the punk rocker in me or the comic in me, mm -hmm. but the system's broken. Yeah. The fact that he's president. <laughs> it's proof. It's proof. <laughs> yeah. The fact that we have so many people in prison, the fact that we have so many homeless, mm -hmm. the fact that black people are still being killed by crooked cops, the fact that we all hate each other, the fact that our elections are hacked, the system's broken. And I think he's illustrating that. Yeah. He uh, himself is an illustration of that. Right, right. Coming up, Jeff looks back at some of his craziest moments as Roastmaster General, including that time he roasted Donald Trump. So before uh, before we kind of start to wrap up here, what I want to do is uh, go through some of the the roasts that you've done in the past and and see if there's a, a memory or a story that you can that, that kind of jumps out. But I think your memory is better than mine. Yeah, but I'll we'll, do we'll my see. Best. We'll see. Um, I guess first, just looking back. Um, so I, I looked back at all the the roasts, the Comedy Central ones. Uh, this will be the Alec Baldwin one will be the 14th, I believe, in 14 years. Not one. There wasn't one every year. Sometimes there was two in a year. Right. Um, we wait till you understand. We wait till we get a big fish. Yeah, it's like fishing. Yeah, when you get a when you get a big enough one, you call it a day. Alec Baldwin wants to get roasted. Yeah, <laughs> they uh, even call him the bloviator, right? You you called him a bloviator. Didn't they call him that in the New York Post? Probably sounds, sounds like a fish. They, yeah. <laughs> uh, so I guess to start, then what? So how how do you decide someone's a big enough fish? What makes a good what makes a good roasty? Oh, that's a good question. You have to go through some criteria. Are they a volunteer or are they being doing this for the wrong reasons? Mm -hmm. if someone's doing it for money and exposure. It's not quite right. Mm -hmm. Usually it has a charity element. I believe this one will. And, and, and they have to be honored by it. They mm -hmm. have to be flattered by it. Oh, they want to roast me. My friends all want to talk about me. That's a big honor. Mm -hmm. And... You have to have thick skin, obviously. You have to be able to take a joke. You don't want somebody up there with a bad attitude. Yeah. You really, to make it a great show, everybody's got to be in on it. 
So who who have there been ones that where the the person getting roasted just didn't have the right attitude and uh, it didn't the only it time, affected it. The only time I, that happened to me was at a private roast. Mm-hmm. I roasted um, Richard Branson oh. at a private party. <laughs> His friends hired me and didn't tell him. Oh God! So you can never surprise somebody yeah. at a roast. Yeah, that's tough. And he did not like it he, at all. <laughs> he pretended to like it for a couple of minutes, then you could just see he wasn't enjoying it. And then he got up and hugged me and poured water on my head. Oh God! He was he was he was a, he was an asshole. <laughs> <laughs> uh, how do you, so you've been doing this for so long that you also get roasted at these events? Has has the way that people roast you changed? Do you think in in the past uh, couple decades? They used to tease me for oh, only doing the roast. Oh, this is your once a year. Yeah. Show Jeff, and, mm-hmm. you know, wouldn't be a roast without Jeff Ross, you know, this these kind of jokes. And, you know, I guess I heard a little bit, but as roasting has become a worldwide movement between the roast battles on every continent mm-hmm. and the and, 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 and now with the historical roasts in 180 countries, I'm like, yeah, OK, I'm the <laughs> roast guy. I kind of love it. Yeah. So um, so they have to resort to calling me, you know, fat. <laughs> <laughs> Which I'm, you know, whatever. If I ever lost weight, I'd probably, they'd probably, they'd just call me ugly. Now I get to be fat and ugly. <laughs> I'm okay with it. You know, the jokes bounce off me. They hurt. I do have feelings. Yeah. My family tried to roast me for my birthday one year and I wouldn't let them. It's <laughs> like, you guys know way too much about too me. Too close to I'm home. Too sensitive. And maybe I'm a hypocrite, but, you know, these roasts, they're vicious. Mm hmm. Uh, so going back to the, you mentioned the Pamela Anderson uh, roast became right. about Courtney Love. Is that sort of what stands out stout, stands out in your memory from from that one? No, well, sure, that's a big part of it. But that roast had many, many layers. This is 2005. Mm-hmm. Pam Anderson's on top of the world, big, big star. Um, we hadn't done a roast in a few years, I believe. This is like a reboot with our mm-hmm. director yeah. Joel Gallen, who knew Pam. And said, let's make it a little bit more of a rock and roll roast. Mm-hmm. And he brought Jimmy Kimmel in to MC, And we had Sarah Silverman and Andy Dick and Adam Carolla and, and, and Greg Giraldo, Roast in Peace. And it was amazing. Like every joke, every comic was just on fire. And it became a wild night. Mm-hmm. where at one point Courtney Love kind of dipped into the bathroom with Andy Dick and they came out and they were both sort of all amped up and jumping around and here's Courtney Love literally rubbing on everybody and she pulling up her shirt and spreading her legs for the cameras <laughs> and and Jimmy's trying to hold her down so everybody can get through their speech un- uninterrupted <laughs> and and it was all a big benefit for PETA. Oh yeah. And I said, doesn't one of these PETA people have a stun gun to put this <laughs> animal down? <laughs> Yeah, I said, Courtney Love, you're like the girl next door if you happen to live next door to a methadone clinic. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, it seems like you always have a uh, you always have at least one kind of wild card uh, person in there. Um, you know, besides the the sort of comics that you that you like to to have up there a lot, but there's always yeah. there's always someone who's real unpredictable. Finally, I had a I, I couldn't get her to stop throwing ice at me and and carrying on, and I needed to to like finish my. I worked weeks on my speech. You yeah. Know? So finally, I said. Uh, how is it possible that Courtney Love looks worse than Kurt Cobain? <laughs> and you heard a, <gasps> and Courtney looked at Pam, and Pam looked at Courtney, and they both burst out laughing. And <laughs> and, and then minutes later, Courtney had her head on my lap. <laughs> you know, and the next day she went to rehab. So roasting saves lives. Oh yeah, there you go. Uh, so a few years later, uh, you roasted Joan Rivers. Mm-hmm. Um, Roast in peace as well. Uh, did what? What do you remember from that night? Well, when you roast a fellow comedian, it's always the best show mm-hmm. because they get it. And then I remember Kathy Griffin and and Greg Giraldo and all these amazing comedians roasting this legend, Joan Rivers, who always had new material, who's stayed relevant. You know, it really makes me sad to think that she was gone too soon like that. She had a lot more to give. But what impressed me about that roast, 
to answer your question is at the end when she went on, mm -hmm. she had the best set at her own roast. And I don't think I've ever seen that. Yeah. She schooled everybody. <laughs> and it created a bond between her and I. I think I called her Mamala or something, some Yiddish word. And we stayed in touch. I was in her documentary. And eventually Howard Stern's 60th birthday came up. And the producer, Gary Delabate, said, would you be interested in roasting Howard for his birthday? You'd be the only roaster. But we would team you up maybe with Joan Rivers. I go, wow. Yeah. I've never done a dueling podium scenario. And just the fact that I got to stand side by side. We met in the morning and we went over our material. And I would read a joke and she'd read a joke. And then she'd read two and I'd read two. And we'd go back and forth until Howard was fried right we would just crush him <laughs> until he yelled for mercy it was gonna be a big big extravaganza full of huge celebrities a big show but we were gonna go on early and and break it open and at one point her and i had a similar joke yeah um i was like oh boy they're both really good jokes and she she looked at me and she looked back and it took her about 10 seconds and she said you know what Yours is better. Do yours. <laughs> I was like, wow. There's a star. Yeah. She knows, I, she knows mine's better, and she wants us both to look good. Yeah, and all that mattered to her was, was which one's better, not, not, uh, not herself. Right. Yeah. Love that woman. Donald and I have a lot in common. We both live in New York. We both play golf. We both fantasize about his daughter. We talked about the Trump roast a little bit, uh, the one on Comedy Central. But is there anything else that you that you remember uh, from from that night? Uh, I know there was a lot of. We I think we talked about this once before, but there's a lot of uh, stories about him not, you know, trying to cross out things on people's jokes and not really understanding what the jokes, uh, what what joke structure was, and crossing out punchlines and stuff like that. <laughs> Do you remember anything? Uh, Everybody says he was sensitive about his finances. Yeah, pretty much everyone in the world is sensitive about their finances. <laughs> so I never really understood that as a dig. Yeah, uh, yeah. You know, I had a. I think I had a joke about his finances. I read his book, The Art of the Deal. Donald, how come every chapter was chapter eleven? <laughs> <laughs> you know. What was fun about it was it was in New York. And yeah. at that time, you have to remember, he was king of New York. He pulled off miracles. People love to underestimate him and say, oh, he's just shooting from the hip and tweeting whatever, and he's making spelling mistakes. That's a joke at a game to him. This guy was building skyscrapers in Manhattan. Mm -hmm. They would take 10 years. He was methodical. So it was exciting to have a New Yorker get roasted on Comedy Central. We'd always been doing them in Hollywood. Right. And as somebody who came up in New York, it was kind of fun to roast somebody who was part of where I was, somebody I knew. Mm -hmm. And people say, well, you normalized him. You made jokes about him running for president way back then. He'd been saying that since the 80s that he right. was going to run for president. We don't. We didn't normalize him to run for president any more than SNL, the late night shows, Howard Stern. Donald Trump was a huge celebrity. We're, if we normalized him, then we're normalizing Kim and Kanye, the cast of Game of Thrones, mm -hmm. Justin Bieber. We're doing the same thing to them. This guy just happened to figure out some other thing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I look back at it with mixed memories because it was an exciting time, but also a cautionary tale. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, of all the people you roasted, no one else so far has gone on to, to become president. So Maybe Alec Baldwin. Maybe that's his plan. Oh, yeah. This summer on Comedy <laughs> Central. You never know. I think people always have a hidden agenda with these roasts that we never find out about till later. Like Justin Bieber was an incoming call. He wanted to be roasted. Yeah. And I was like, wow, that's gold. Because yeah. they're really up for it. And it's because he knew he had done some things that weren't great. He, you know, racing his cars and creating havoc and being a punk teenager. He's like, you know what? I'm a man now. I want to reboot my career. I got some good songs coming out next year. Let me try to own my mistakes. 
And I think roasts are good that way. Mm -hmm. They're a good way to sort of tell your friends and your fans and your family, like, I'm kind of done with that part of my life and I'm going to move forward. Yeah. It's a reboot. I wonder if that's uh, going through Alec Baldwin's head as well, because he's had some some run-ins with the with the law right, <laughs> as right, well. Right. I mean, he must be thinking that, that about how that's gonna that's gonna come up. I think he wants to put it out there. Yeah. Face it. Yeah. I mean, we just announced it, so I haven't talked to him about it yet. But I'm probably running to him. I'll probably run into him soon, since we live in the same hood. <laughs> uh, of just a couple of years ago, a few years ago, uh, was Rob Lowe, which had the uh, Ann Coulter was up there with you. Um, and was that, she that there? Was... <laughs> I barely remember her being there. <laughs> Ann, what happened? You wrote 11 books, but you couldn't write a single fucking joke? <laughs> Ann, you have a face that would make doves cry. <laughs> Oh, uh, this is hard for a roast. How do I roast somebody from hell? <laughs> <laughs> Bitch. <laughs> oh, and that voice. <laughs> it's like fingernails on a chalkboard inside an inner city school you want to defund. <laughs> Don't stare at me with that roasting bitch face. Ands against gay marriage. What's your thinking on that? If I can't get a husband, they shouldn't either? I had not fully taken her seriously as a pundit. Mm -hmm. I'd seen, I, I knew her socially from sitting at the comics table at the comedy cellar. She would go to the comedy cellar? To me, she seemed like a comedian. She was friends with comedians. Oh, she was really? saying outrageous things. You know, we try to get a laugh. She was trying to get a... A jaw drop, you know. Yeah. She was a. I, I never took her seriously, and, and always figured she was exaggerating her opinions. Didn't think much of it, and in, I must admit, I was pushing for a political person to be at the roast. Mm -hmm. I thought that would be. It would add some oomph to the whole evening. Yeah, it helps put it all in a relevant place when you have somebody who's in the news talking about politics and that way I can layer in some topical material into a roast about Rob Lowe who a lot of the jokes would be about the 80s and 90s mm -hmm. and when he was coming up and when his scandals took place because now he's a man and he's having a great career but he's not the wild man anymore right. so I was like all right well let's find some wildness to this roast so I said yeah let's get somebody political and then Ann Coulter uh, had a book coming out. Mm -hmm. And look, whatever was, her roast was going to be was one thing, but I like having big targets there. Mm -hmm. How many Rob Lowe jokes can I make? Right. I want to make some Ann Coulter jokes <laughs> in my forum where I can really let loose. And we wrote her an amazing, the, the writers, not me, the, the writing staff on the Comedy Central roast wrote her an amazing self-aware speech mm -hmm. that if she had delivered she would have made a lot of new fans but she didn't like it and she brought in a couple of her friends from fox news to help her write her speech which she started by taking out her new book and putting on the podium now if there's ever a way to get the fans to hate you at a roast <laughs> it's to start talking about yourself yeah and your book it made it very clear why she was there right and she was getting destroyed all night. She she had a real opportunity to to use that. She built up even she built up goodwill. Yeah, you know by get, taking all the jokes all night. You can see she didn't like it in her face, but she didn't really snap back. Mm -hmm. She took it. Yeah. So now she goes up towards the end, and people are kind of rooting for her to see what she says. You know, mm -hmm. they want to be entertained. It doesn't yeah. mean you have to agree with her policies to go. Oh, that was a good line. Mm -hmm. Um, I think people like when they're surprised that someone is funny who they didn't think would course. be funny. Of course. We saw Martha Stewart do that years ago Yeah, on the Justin Bieber roast and then later on at other shows. And I knew she would do well because I'd seen her at the Friars roast over the years. Um, but with Anne, for some reason, she just wasn't willing to play along. She pretended she didn't know what the roasts were <laughs> afterwards. And then, she, after, then 
as the buildup of the press of what happened and the show's about to launch, she would say that it was edited to make her look worse. She said that before the show even aired. Yeah. So what we did was we queued up her <laughs> her her unedited raw appearance mm-hmm. and basically let her know that if she kept saying we were messing with her, we were going to release it. <laughs> we made her look better than it was. Yeah. Would you remember? And we do that for everyone, by the way. Yeah, yeah. We you... want our guests to come off great. Mm-hmm. We're an entertainment show. Yeah, I mean, you've definitely had some people, some non-comedians bomb on these roasts, though. I mean, I'm thinking about uh, the situation. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, Dennis Rodman had kind of a, a rough set oh, this yeah, past year. Right. I was I was in the room for that one, and it was a uh, I, I I don't I don't know exactly what made it on on TV compared to what I saw, but uh, but that was that was a little tough. There's nothing more fun than when <laughs> a roast goes off the rails. I yeah. love it. Yeah. Um, do you remember any uh, any jokes that the writers wrote for Ann Coulter that she refused to, to, to say? Or... I can't remember. I remember that it was more of a conceptual piece mm-hmm. that would make her look very self-aware and self-effacing. And... She blew it. Yeah. She blew it. <laughs> you know, I saw her at a party recently. She pretended she didn't see me. I still like her because she came to the roast. Mm-hmm. I don't agree with anything she says on social media or in the or in the media in general. But I also understand that we're all human beings, and she was willing to put herself out there and the, and show up on my show. I have to show some grace, and uh, she didn't take it well. Yeah, and she snubbed you at the at the party recently. You can't win them all. <laughs> Um, well, I'm looking forward to the Alec Baldwin one. I think that'll be a. I think that'll be a lot of fun. There's really, so much material there. I think it's going to be great. What should I make fun of? I don't know. I mean, someone's. I'm, I don't know who's going to be the one to bring up the the voicemail, but that's obviously uh, something right. that that people remember the the voicemail to his daughter. His ang- his anger issues. Yeah, he has some some anger issues. I think. Mm-hmm. Um, hopefully, he can take the jokes. He uh, he he blocked me on Twitter a while ago. I think for for criticizing his uh, his Trump impressions. Really? So. So uh, we'll see. He I don't blocked know. Blocked you? Yeah, I'm, that I'm is blocked. not a good sign for somebody about to get roasted. I know that he couldn't take the criticism. <laughs> Maybe he's come around on that. Yeah, we'll see. So the the final thing, uh, the way we end the show is, I ask uh, everyone what the last thing that made you laugh really hard is. It could be a, another comic that you saw live, something on TV, a movie. Just kind of think of it as a as a recommendation for for listeners, something that that they could make them laugh. Something that really made me laugh. Okay. Dave Attell, last weekend on our Bumping Mike show, without telling me, took his baseball hat off. <laughs> and he had a, uh, a do-rag under his thing. Yeah. And he put on those sunglasses that the snipers wear. <laughs> <laughs> And he said that he was in Vegas for the World Poker Tour. <laughs> he looked like one of those poker guys. Um, to me, it's it's never the jokes; it's the moments. Yeah, it's like when you least expect something from someone, and they go the other way. Life is full of surprises and twists and turns, and you have to be open to them. Mm-hmm. Um, as far as jokes go, he'd kill me for repeating his <laughs> jokes he's they're, they're all you know deep down in his pocket and he only, he only shows them to people when when he's ready to yeah but, yeah yeah but it would probably be anything that david tell says when we're on live on stage together nice uh well thank you so much for for coming in thanks for roasting me a little bit and uh <laughs> thanks for almost using um <laughs> thanks for using the most monotone voice in the history of broadcasting <laughs> So Jeff, when you were being raped by those Cossacks, and <laughs> let, let me hear you explain something happy. Like, tell me, like, what's the, some great movie you just saw? Do you ever get animated? No. <laughs> <laughs> Do you ever type in all caps? What would that? Sound um, like? I like using exclamation points in emails because then people, you know, it seems like I'm I'm excited about what I'm telling them. What about a fire at a theater? What would it sound like? <laughs> Let's get out of here. <laughs> what do you sound like when you're making when you have an orgasm? Oh, that's it's too that's too far. That's too personal. Can't go there. <laughs> oh my god, I'm having an orgasm. <laughs> <laughs>
I bet your wife calls it the last laugh. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I think that, that's, that's where we got to end. Thanks, Matt. <laughs> All right. Thank you so much to Jeff Ross for being my guest on today's show. You can check out Historical Roasts on Netflix now and the Comedy Central Roast of Alec Baldwin when it airs later this year. Jeff and David Tell are currently on their Bumping Mics tour, and you can find those dates at RoastmasterGeneral.com. If you enjoyed this show, please, please tell your friends and rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. You can find me on Twitter at Matt Wilstein and at TheDailyBeast.com. The Last Laugh is distributed by Himalaya Media for The Daily Beast. It is produced by Jason Smith and Scott Porch for Starburns Audio and edited by Mackenzie Mazell. Our theme music is by Claude, who you can find on Instagram at claude.mp3. You can find the show every week on Apple Podcasts, the Himalaya app, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And you can find show notes and highlights from each episode on thedailybeast.com. See you next week. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.